Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm here with Dr. Stan. And I'm here with Pastor Wobb. And we are going to think about something today that we just can't stop thinking about. It's just always before us, and our viewers, our viewers, our listeners are also dealing with this. And that has to do with um, our response as a church to the growing calls within our movement, among our friends, uh, to support those among us who are taking a more militant stand against uh, the government and the lockdowns for the churches. And uh, our our listeners will know about Pastor Coates in Edmonton, who uh, is in the front pages more so even than Trinity, I think, uh, here in Waterloo. Uh, whereas uh, here's a church that has been locked down, fenced off. Uh, police have been there. People have gone into underground. John MacArthur last week or two uh, read a letter from Pastor Coates um, describing his church almost like an underground church. Uh, it's gone on. Um, Fox News has, has dealt with it. There's all, it's, it's becoming something that we just can't pretend doesn't exist. And so, Stan, uh, you and I need to think about um, how do we respond to people who say you're cowardly? You need to support this brother. He is fighting for uh, freedom of the church for all of us and we need to join him. He's all by himself. I hear more and more of that. So how, how are we to think about that, and how are we to answer that question that came to me even as this week I had to deal with this on email? <clears throat> the question is constantly before us. Yeah. We have no, no choice about thinking about it. In fact, came up a little bit even this morning as I was teaching online. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, with talking with students about it. You know, it it is challenging, isn't it? Because on the one hand, I think you and I both want to admire anyone who's willing to live out his convictions at great cost. So if James Coates really believes that that it's a divine imperative that that the local church meet as a whole body every Sunday no matter what, well, then I, I guess he has to live out that conviction. Uh, the, the challenge, of course, is if that conviction violates uh, the law of the province, Alberta in his case, then eventually he's going to be shut down if, if the province actually enforces the laws. So, yes, on, on the one hand... I, I want to say I admire him for living out his convictions. And and in, in one interview uh, that I saw that he did on the Sunday, first Sunday he was back from prison, I, I, I sensed a guy with a, a gentle attitude, even, even when asked about other pastors who haven't chosen to go the same route, he he didn't demonize them. He said, I'd, I'd have to sit down and talk with them individually, talk about this. And and the whole idea of a pastor being thrown into jail for leading worship service and a church building being uh, barricaded, surrounded by a fence that the governing authorities put up, forcing the church, if they choose to meet, to meet secretly, I mean, all of that is, is very disheartening for sure. 
And so I, I don't I don't want to be dumping on him or the church, and yet at the same time, I'm not convinced that God has given us a kind of specific command that says the whole church has to meet together every Lord's Day, every first day of the week. I I'm not personally convinced that Scripture doesn't give us some freedom on that, and so I honestly from my perspective, think they've made the wrong choice by by defying temporary these temporary limits. But but as you say, you and I get pictured as the cowards who are unwilling to lead the church against the overreach of the state. Well, it is overreach, right? And I yes, I, I, we shouldn't have had to see that. I don't know what the government could have done but it i think they i think in general the government needs to rethink their their strategy um and in this case especially there's got to be another way of dealing with uh, a church like that you have laws laws need to be enforced but it seems to be in this case they're being made an example well i think they are and of course in one sense, laws have to be enforced. I get that. So in, in one sense, the the province, the authorities, Alberta Health, Health Services, the RCMP, in one sense, they have no choice. I, I, I mean, they have to enforce the law, but are there, I, I don't know what what alternatives they have. That's that's a part of the challenge, isn't it? I I marvel at the fact that for months, several months, the church was meeting in violation of the restrictions. And the only response was to have uh, people from Alberta Health Services and people from the RCMP sitting there in the church observing what's going yeah. on. Mm-hmm. And nothing was done. So if the province says, well, we can't let it go on, we had to act, the question I have is, why did they not act sooner? Yeah. Why did they let it go on as long as they did? Now, I think their their answer was, we're, we're trying to do education and persuasion first before we step in and do that kind of thing. Okay, I, I get that. But this was several months that that went on. So it raises questions about how serious the province is about actually enforcing the law. In, in this way. It's a terrible conundrum. It it really is. I mean, we don't want to yeah. we don't want to be the bad guys trashing a a fellow believer in Christ, a fellow pastor. At the same time, if we're not convinced that that was the right choice, well, we can't very well be expected to yeah. say we support what he's doing. You know, and I'm hearing I maybe I shouldn't listen so much, but my phone, it all comes onto my phone, and I'm, I'm hearing Americans tell Canadians, support this guy. What's the matter with you, Canadians? He's one of your own. Man up and, and rally around him. They can't throw all of you in jail. And I say, for, this is Canada, for one thing. Let, let us deal with this. Right. Mind your own business kind of thing. <laughs> and um, we, I think what Satan intends here is to divide the church at a time when 
our unified witness is more crucial now, especially as we're going into what could be a legitimate case for civil disobedience over yes. Bill C six. Yes, and um, we're not we're not ready for that if we can't um, tolerate one another in these in these uh, differences of conviction and opinion. Uh, we're not ready to enter into what could be the fight of our life. Well, you and I were both uh, involved in our in our different ways yesterday in in an online Zoom meeting think tank. 135, 135 pastors. 135 pastors yeah. within our tribe, Fellowship Baptists in Ontario and English Quebec. Um, I was one of the two, uh, you know, who was kind of taking the lead and teaching about it. You were there. I saw your face on screen. I saw your some of your posts in the chats. Yeah, that was meant for one guy. I didn't realize that was going everywhere. <laughs> he and I had an email exchange about that afterwards. Quite funny, but nevertheless, I hope okay. everyone. Well, got you know, that. and as we, I mean, we saw with within the Zoom call itself, there's difference among us about how we respond here, and. After the after the large meeting, I was involved in a debrief with denominational leaders talking about how it went mm. and where do we go from here. And um, I heard I heard from them that while while not many of our churches are openly defying the restrictions, as they as they listen to pastors, they are hearing. A, a lot of them who are warming up to the idea of following James Coates' lead and and uh, asserting the freedom and the independence of the church over against government restrictions. So they they have the sense that this is really heating up as an issue among us. Now, in that debrief afterwards, I said I said to our denominational leaders, we. We make much better progress when we talk to each other rather than about each other. So I suggested to them that at this year's pastors' conference, which is supposed to be in person, they actually create a session for yeah. open, respectful debate. And and not, well, not I'm not talking the kind of thing we've had to endure in the past at conferences of two to three minute sound bites at microphones. I mean, get a representative from the two basic sides here to actually make their case and dialogue with one another and with the large group. And now, usually in the past when I've suggested anything like that sort of open debate, I've had to do CPR on the denominational leaders who don't want to create division. Well, this is not that. You're talking about a pastor's conference I'm with pastors at Muskoka. We're yes. sitting in lounge chairs. It's not a convention per se. Right, and we can actually talk about it together. I said to them, and I, my, my experience says... Yeah, in camera. Right. As long... If, if we just leave people to kind of do this behind the scenes, if we, if we don't publicly admit the present division of opinion we have then it, everybody's just talking in their echo chamber. And, and, and that's what creates division. When we actually, in public, admit, you know, we are not presently on the same page here, all of us, we're not unanimous. 
Let's talk about it. Let's hear why you right. think this is the right approach and you over here think another is the right approach. Let's actually talk about it respectfully, mm-hmm. in love, together. And, and at the end of the day, uh, we're not going to agree, and that's fine, right? But we can agree that we are a united uh, force, if you will, for the gospel. And when there does come a, a need for us to with one voice speak to an issue that we can do that. But I, I think my concern is that these contrary opinions are, are growing uh, so that we are not charitable with each other. The unity that Jesus prayed for is being jeopardized. And, and we just need to say we're committed to being unified and we're committed to tolerating differences in our church. Like people need to hear us say, we respect James Coates, we love James Coates, we'll pray for James Coates, but we don't agree with the conviction that he has. Is that okay? Yeah, exactly. I think it's crucial that we... Now, my hope would be that we might move toward a bit of convergence if we actually have respectful debate and air the issues out publicly. Maybe some will say, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Or, or maybe, maybe people will, will nuance their views. So even if we not, we're not yeah. an absolutely uh, unanimous agreement, we may move closer together. And, and, I mean, I need to hear what James Coates has to say. I need to hear what others who, who want to uh, defy the mm-hmm. restrictions have to say. I need to understand why. They arrive at that conclusion. I hope they will want to understand my own mind and heart on the matter. And at the very least, in the end, as you say, we we can say, even if we haven't arrived at unanimity, we we understand that there are under we understand there are reasons why people come to their different conclusions, but we're in this together. We're trying to grow toward fuller unity, but we are brothers and sisters in this together. Right, and we've got a work to do, a job to do, and right. it's not all about this. Right. You know, this can be a, a huge distraction for us. Um, our country needs to hear the gospel. It needs to hear the gospel from people who love Jesus, who are living it, who are modeling it. And I think this is something that Satan, if he's not in on, he's rejoicing about. And, and we need to be mindful of his schemes, and that's what we're seeing right now. Uh, so this isn't going away, Stan, but uh, we are constantly thinking about it, and I know that our listeners are too. And so until next time, I'm Bob McGregor. I'm Stan Fowler. Thanks for listening. You keep on thinking. <laughs>